You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. That evening, (laughs) he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Father, we ask that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church, hearts to receive and believe. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't, know you, I don't know how you are, but after a, a long day of ministering, it's just like <sighs> those days that we have food pantry right after church, depending on you know, how the preaching goes in the ministry time, and then, the, and then the, the ministry to the people as they come receive their food, then go to grief share and do grief share, and by the time the evening's over, you're just going... <sighs> Turn on Sunday night football. (laughs) But not Jesus. After a full day, he says, let's go to the other side. I'm going, what? See, Jesus is here keeping with his mission that he shares with us in chapter 1, verses 38 and 39, where he, he just had this wonderful time in Simon's house where he healed his mother-in-law. And then in the evening, they brought all the sick in the surrounding village and he healed them all. Early the next morning, he goes out and prays and they, they're wondering where he went. So the disciples go and find him. And this is what he tells them in, John, I mean in Mark 1, 38. Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Hmm. So here's Jesus teaching all day long. There's no no account that he cast out any demons that day, but he taught using parables and he explained to his disciples and he had, the, the multitude was so great that he had to get in a boat and he had to preach from, from the boat. And as evening came, he said, let's go to the other side. So they took him just as he was. They just took him right then. I find it interesting that Jesus seems to like to go to the other side. Have you ever noticed that? Seems like whatever side I'm on, Jesus wants to go to the other side. <laughs> and I said, no, let's just stay here. Let's camp. Let's have a campfire. Let's sing Kumbaya. Let's get some marshmallows. Let's just have a, a holy fellowship with just us. But that's never been his heart. He, he'll come and spend time with us, 
But Jesus, as he was on the earth, was about his father's business. And so he was ready to move on and to go to the other side. I don't know what other side you need Jesus to go in your life, but he's ready to do it. If you've got a side where Jesus has access and you're kind of schizophrenic, but he doesn't have access to another side, guess where he wants to go? He wants to go to the other side. He always wants to go to the side that doesn't know his love as fully as he wants them to. And so look for that. He wants to go to the other side. Mm. So there he goes, he leaves the crowd. I always like to take a little victory lap. He had a good day of teaching, successful. Let's just take a little trip up and down the shore. Enjoy the moment, the success of the day, people connecting, understanding what the kingdom is. They're getting a glimpse of what the kingdom is and uh, not, not here. It wasn't true in chapter one. He didn't stay at Peter's, you know, Simon Peter's house another night. He went off to the next village. And here, after a wonderful day of ministry, he got up and they went to the other side of the lake. They took Jesus just as he was. It's interesting, as you read Mark's account, you get the real sense that this is an eyewitness. And yet we know that Mark wasn't there. John Mark wasn't there. You know, Peter is the eyewitness account. And it sounds just the way you would imagine Peter describing stuff. And he says, and so we just took Jesus right as he is. He was standing up teaching. We told him to sit down and we set off and set sail and went to the other side. And there were other boats, other boats. Why in the world would they put, include that in there? Other than Peter wants you to know that some others were wanting to follow Jesus too. And they were in their boats and, and they took off. Unfortunately for them, when the storm hit, Jesus wasn't in their boat. <laughs> I want to be in the boat that Jesus is in. Thank you. So then the storm hits. It's interesting, the storm. If you look at the storm, you can say, is this just a natural squall that was common on the Sea of Galilee? That the, these things would just come up and they'd be furious and they would hit real hard? Or is, it, is, it, is there another level of, of spirituality going on? Is this a principality? Is this some form of the kingdom of darkness that is resisting and doesn't want Jesus to go to the other side? It's like, does the enemy know what's gonna happen when he gets to the other side? And if you got your Bibles, when you look at chapter five, he's right there with the, the, the demoniac, uh, the guy from the Gadarenes or Gerasim, and he's, he's right there. He casts out all those demons out of him. And it's like, if I was the kingdom of darkness, I would try to thwart the trip so that the place where I have my strongholds established would not be introduced to the kingdom of God and the Savior who has authority and power to cast us out. I think we probably got two things going on here. I think the wind and the sea was real. So it was in the natural. <clears throat> but I think there were some demonic forces that were at work there that were trying to prevent. <clears throat> How many times has Paul said, I was wanting to go this way, but I wasn't permitted. 
You know, whether it was a, a holy angel restraining him or whether it was resistance that was coming. And we get that with Daniel as he's praying and the answer to his prayers, but the, the principality, the prince of Persia is, is resisting and, and there's resistance. And so the purposes of God, his will is, is being delayed, it, it appears. And it's like, oh, so here's Jesus. Now I think Jesus and I have the same gift of sleep. It's something that my father passed on to me. We can sleep almost on command. Just say sleep, Rick, and we're out. And here's Jesus in the midst of this furious squall where the waves are coming into the boat and the experienced sailors are saying, it's so overwhelming that they're about to drown. And Jesus is still asleep. Now to me, that, that could be either one of two things. Either he really left it all out on the field that day. He spent himself in ministry. And he's so exhausted that he's sleeping. Or it could be, once again, Isaiah 26, 3, that he was in peace. Isaiah says, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Wow. Now that's some trust. In the midst of the storm, I don't know, have you ever been asleep and woken to your body getting wet? Anybody had that experience? Me and Barb. We're the only two. Camping in the backyard. Huge storm. I love to sleep in a tent during a storm. It's so much fun. Just love it. But I didn't know the creek was rising. My Bible was floating in my tent. And the cot I was sleeping on, you know how your body weight kind of brings in a little dip in the cot? All of a sudden, my backside was feeling wet. And I thought, what is this? And I look around and there's the water and there's my Bible floating right next to me. And I'm thinking, oh. I don't know if the water had gotten to Jesus yet, but I can't imagine the splash of the waves not getting to him. And yet he's still asleep, still asleep. So what do the disciples do? They wake him. And they grab him, they shake him, <laughs> and they don't just say, excuse me, Jesus, Jesus. No, this is panic-stricken disciples. Total panic, thinking they're about to perish, they're about to die, and they're shaking Jesus awake. And they say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Isn't that interesting? You know, you'd think they'd just say, help! Can you help bail some water out or do something? No, don't you care that we're about to drown? It's, it's amazing that our fear is always focused around our own well-being. And they're worried about their own well-being. And they say, don't you care that we're about to drown? Now Jesus comes into the, to the story. He gets up. And I think this is important for us as, as we look at application, how we apply to when storms hit us and we're in a panic. We gotta, we gotta 
respond like Jesus, first thing we gotta do is get up. Get up from whatever it is, wherever you're at, where you, whether you're trying to uh, dissociate the storm and pretend like it's not a storm and do some Jedi mind tricks and, and just try to figure out how to avoid the problem. But Jesus got up and addressed it. He got up. He rebuked the wind. I thought that was interesting. He rebuked it. How do you rebuke wind? Wind, give it the backhand. He rebuked the wind. And he spoke to the waves, quiet, be still. Now I think Jesus had authority over nature and I think he could speak that to nature. But it's really interesting that it's the exact same expression that he uses in chapter one when he's speaking with the man who's crying out in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. He says the same thing to a demon. Quiet, be still. And he wouldn't permit them to speak. Hmm. Same words in 125 is mentioned here. And everything stops. The wind dies down, the waves calm, and there's peace like a river. And the wind and waves still know his name. Hmm. So he speaks to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Duh. The boat's about to caps, you know, the boat's about to sink. It's full of water. The storm is going to kill us. Fear is Satan's, one of Satan's best weapons. Fear and shame seem to be his two power punches. Do you still have no faith? Have you ever heard him ask you that? Do you still have no faith? After everything you've witnessed, everything you've seen, are you still having trouble trusting him? Well, this can sound like a shaming thing, but I don't think it is. I think when Jesus speaks to us about our faith, it's an invitation to accept his faith. It's an opportunity not to cower and lower our head in, in shame and condemnation, but an opportunity to look, say, Lord, help, help. It's, it's like the father who brought his son to Jesus. I believe, but help my unbelief. Hmm. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna memorize your Bible. Hear the word of the Lord, hear the word of the Lord, hear the word of the Lord. I think you're supposed to hear the word of the Lord in its written form and every other way that he communicates his word to you. Hear the word of the Lord. It's important. I find that hearing the word of the Lord, if I'm only doing it with the scriptures, 
and I've been raised in a Western civilization mindset, I really develop a strong understanding of what the Word of God says. But if I'm not careful, all my confidence is on my ability to retain the Word of God, the knowledge that I have, the academic knowledge that I have. But we find that in the kingdom, what is important is knowledge, but it's experiential knowledge. It's knowing him personally. And never mishear me in saying that knowing the word's not important. I've got a really, really good friend who's PhD, running a seminary in Northeast New York. We were in school together. And, and my, my friend is a incredible theologian, understands the scriptures, can do it in you know, Hebrew, Greek, Ugaritic, uh, German, because all the early theological articles were written in German, so he learned German. So he's got all that knowledge. And I just thought, oh. And the enemy likes us to contrast. You can have all that knowledge, but if you don't have experience, you know, your knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And as I was talking with the Lord, he was just showing my, me my friend, and so I know what he's doing when he's doing that. He's, he's showing me the wealth of the intellectual. And he says, when they see me, they see me. Because everything that they've read, now they see and experience and it makes all sorts of sense to them because they see everything that's in the Word now manifested in the Word as the person, and they see it, and it's just like, and I thought, oh, that is so good, Lord. That is so good. I can't get, I can't get caught in the lie that this is wrong and this is good. No, it's all good, but if we only have this, we'll miss this, and if we only have this, we won't be able to see him as accurately when we see him. We don't know what we saw. You know, we'll have an encounter with the Lord and we'll see something so incredible that we can't describe it because we don't know the word. Well, Ezekiel saw some pretty incredible stuff. The prophets of the Old Testament, the New Testament, all the things. John, as he goes up in the, in the Revelation, it's like, wow, he saw some stuff Know the Word, and know the Word. It's a both and, it's not an either or. Put it all together to know Him. The wind and the waves obeyed Him. I think we should too. The wind and the waves obeyed Him. Mm. Mark doesn't go on to theologicalize the passage. This was another sign that showed that Jesus would. No, you just know it. When you get done with chapter four, you just realize you've, you've just witnessed a sign and a wonder that points who Jesus is. So much so that the disciples don't know what to do. Here's the disciples, they're terrified. They're absolutely terrified. Why? They're in the presence of the living God. And they didn't know it. 
They thought they were traveling with a rabbi. And now they realize this is the Son of God. He can not only heal people and drive out demons, and in a couple chapters, we'll see multiply food, he can cast out legions of demons, everything that goes on with that. He's the Son of God. He's got authority over nature. He can speak to the wind and the waves. He can speak to the demonic forces that may be behind the wind and the waves. Maybe trying to manipulate the natural to bring forth darkness's purposes. And here's Jesus. And the disciples see him. And they're terrified. I think it's interesting that they talk with one another. Here's Jesus in the boat. He just does this. And they don't say, who are you? We, we, instead they talk to each other. Who is this guy? Who is this guy that the wind and the waves obey him? Who is he? And it's, it's just like us. We would rather talk with Kathy and just say, Kathy, what do you think that is? Instead of going to Jesus and say, Jesus, what was that? We find it with Adam and Eve in the garden as the Satan deceives them. It's kind of like Adam's biggest mistake was not that he listened to his wife. His biggest mistake was that he didn't ask the father. Father, did you say this? Because the serpent's saying that you said this. Is this what you meant when you said this? Why don't we go to the source rather than go secondhand? And it's like, ah. Oh. So that spoke to my heart big time today. Because here's, here's what I find. Have you no faith? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's good. But I find that my faith that meets me in storms is not just the faith that I've developed academically. It's not my intellectual abilities that help me navigate a storm. It's the reality that I've experienced him and I know him. That's what gets me through the storm. When I have an encounter with the Lord, that does something in me that no amount of study at a seminary or a Bible study could ever do. Now, don't mishear me. Bible studies are good. Going to seminary, good. Being with Jesus, better. Better, by far. And so I find that encounters, personal encounters with the Lord is what develops our faith for when the storms come. And if we don't have all the encounters that we need for the storm that's on the horizon, when the storm hits, just run into Jesus and say, this would be a good time to encounter you in the midst of the storm. Now this week, I got my booster shot and I don't know what happened. Had it on Tuesday, fine Tuesday, fine Wednesday, Thursday, nauseated all day. Thinking, and, and nothing ever happened, just feeling horrible. Green as could be, 
my gills were, it was just like, ugh. I put my earbuds in and I was listening to this album called Peace Two by Bethel. And the, the lyrics of all the wonderful worship songs just brought an encounter with the Lord all through my nausea. It was like, oh yeah. And I remember years ago when it was running through our family, way back when we lived on the South Side, and, and I watched it all and it was, like, it was like clockwork. Within 18 hours, it broke. You know, and it was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so when I got it, I'm, I'm the kind of macho male that if I get sick, I'm the biggest sissy this side of the Mississippi. I bargain with the Lord. Oh Lord, please don't let me throw up. I'll do anything. I'll go to China, wherever you want me. You send me, you know, to Africa. I'll go. Because I hate nausea. But I learned then to invite and worship him through the nausea. Lord, come into this nausea with me. My will and my, my request is that you remove it from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be no. <laughs> not quite that, but it's, it's one of those things like if, if I can't get through this, if this is gonna go, I want you with me all the way. And it was the most amazing experience I ever had because the Lord was with me. I would heave and I would hallelujah. And I would heave and I would hallelujah. And we just went through a whole experience like that. And I thought, oh, this is, this is a new way of being sick. I've never been sick like this before. If you get sick, try it. It's amazing because his presence makes all the difference in whatever form the storm takes in your life. His presence will get you through it. And that's what I want you to hear today. So if you got earbuds, put them in. If you don't have earbuds, open the word. Allow, if, if you can't vocalize the song, let your spirit sing the song. His spirit hears your spirit. Let your spirit resonate with praise and thanksgiving and give him glory and honor that he fearfully and wonderfully made you and I don't know what's going on in this fearfully wonderful body, but something is not right. So fearfully, wonderfully remove it in Jesus' name. And uh, let the hallelujahs begin. So that's what I want to share with you today. Whatever storms are on the horizon, make them opportunities to encounter him, encounter his presence. My first goes with how I opened this morning, and that's just continue to have a deeper access to his heart, to where you're having encounters, heart encounters with him, that will prepare you. And then as the storm comes, have an encounter in the storm. Know that Jesus is always in your boat. He's in your boat. So you might as well wake him up and ask him to help and make a difference. So Father, we thank you for today. As we go to communion, we just acknowledge how wonderful you are.
when we think of the storms that we've gone through, that we're going through, or that are approaching, we just want to say, Lord, you make all the difference. Your presence between us drowning and us surviving is all based on your presence. And so we say, Lord, let your word not return void, but as it has been proclaimed today, I pray as it returns back to you, it accomplishes everything that you sent it to the earth to accomplish today. And so we take the bread and we say, Lord, you are the bread of life. We receive your body with thanksgiving and we eat in remembrance of you. As we worship this morning, Mike had the song, Your Blood Speaks a Better Word, one of my favorites. And that is our confession, Lord. Your blood is better than the blood of bulls and goats, lambs and sheep, any animal. Your blood is the purest and, and the most righteous and it does for us things that we don't even understand. Can't wait to get to heaven and have the full revelation of what the blood has done for us. But we can still experience it even though we don't understand it. And so we receive your blood, Lord Jesus, with thanksgiving and we drink in remembrance of you. Now, as the worship team comes to lead us in our last song, I just want you to receive ministry from the Holy Spirit this morning. Just allow him access. If there's part of you that he wants to go to the other side, just allow him the freedom to do that. Just say, Lord, go anywhere you want in my spirit, my body, my heart, my soul, my entire being. If you want to cross to the other side today, cross to the other side. Lord, if I still don't know you the way you want me to, and that includes all of us, <laughs> just in case you're wondering, I give you permission to reveal yourself more fully to me. Let's see what kind of revelation the Holy Spirit will give us while we worship.
this that the wind and the waves obey him we declare that you are the Lord you are the Christ you are the Son of God you are the Savior who comes to rescue his people from the storms of life you are the living God 
and you live with us. You've come to make your dwelling among us. You've come to habitate in our bodies, in our lives, in our minds, and in our spirit. We are in you and you are in us. You've come to bring the heaven, the kingdom of heaven to earth, to trump the natural domain of the kingdom of darkness. And so, Father, we leave this place with thanksgiving that you are the powerful one, that you have all power, and we worship you. Father, I pray for those that are watching on the live stream. I pray, Father, at whatever point they view this, I pray, Father, that whatever storm is coming against them in Jesus' name, that that storm be still. That the waves die down, that the wind ceases, and that the peace that surpasses understanding is released to each one. And so we speak to the storms in our lives and we say, you may make a, a fuss and try to bring a distraction, but the Holy Spirit is teaching us how to encounter the living God in the midst of storms. And so we are stormtroopers in the kingdom seeing, Father, your will done in and through and in spite of whatever comes against. For this we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.